Oddly, the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles begins with a series of genealogical records that encompass nearly one-third of the entire book. 1 Chronicles reads nothing like the page-turner that Alex Haley wrote about his ancestors called Roots. However, to the Jewish people, the importance of their family roots could not be overestimated. The Jews were careful record keepers and composers of history, evidenced by the many documents from which the compiler of the Chronicles drew his divinely inspired material. These meticulous records connected the Jewish remnant to their spiritual roots, which helped them rebuild their broken lives after 70 years in exile. What do your ancestral roots say about your spiritual journey? Is it time for you to return to God? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. The book of 1 Chronicles was written to the Jews who were coming home from exile in Babylon. The writer wanted to remind the Israelites of their spiritual past, the times when they were blessed for their obedience, and the times when they endured the consequences of rebellion. It's a critical lesson for all of us to learn today, and Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with part two of his message, First Chronicles, Return to Your Spiritual Roots. The Lord's presence in the Ark of the Covenant was the secret to the nation's success, and David went after the Ark. He said, we've got, we've got to get our hands on it again and we've got to bring it back to Jerusalem. Their first order of business was to, to establish, uh, again, the reason for the nation's success. And it was important for the chronicler to, to, to relate this history to this new generation coming back. Chapters 13 through 16 retell the story of how David rescued the ark from the Philistines and brought it home. There was a slight setback, and it was in the hands of Obed-Edom for a period of time. But David learned that God had blessed Obed-Edom because the ark of the covenant was in his house. And then David went back and grabbed the ark and brought it all the way back to Jerusalem. You may remember from uh, the earlier historical books that as he came into Jerusalem, David was so excited. There was this effusive, just... Uh, overwhelming sense of excitement and worship, and David was dancing in the streets at the head of the parade. His wife, Michael, who is also the daughter of Saul, looks out from the palace window and despises her husband in her heart. There's more detail about that in the earlier books. Um, the Chronicles uh, relates that story, but uh, leaves the reasons for her despising her husband left untold, all right? But uh, that's reviewed in there. Unique, though, to this part of the story, something we don't read in the earlier historical books, is a psalm that David wrote. Uh, you won't find it in the book of Psalms. You'll find this psalm in the Chronicles. You know, da David was quite a Renaissance man. He was a, a warrior and a king and a shepherd, and he was also a songwriter and a musician, and he wrote all these psalms. And on this special day, 
when the Ark of the Covenant had come home to Jerusalem to establish the centrality of worship and the priority of God, David wrote a psalm and he handed it to a guy named Asaph, who was one of the worship leaders. And, and they put it to music and, and they, they, they led the congregation of people in worship and singing, much like we did earlier in our service today. Uh, David uh, participated by offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. It was an incredible day of celebration. And the compiler of the Chronicles wants this generation to know, do, do you understand you're connected to this past over here when this, this ark came back and established the centrality of worship and the priority of God long before they began rebuilding the walls, and we'll get to that soon. Chapter 17 through 21 recall the covenant God made with David. Oh, it started way back when with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But the Davidic covenant, we learn of this when, when David has in his heart to build a house for God. He had built his own palace, and it was beautiful, made of cedar wood. And he said to the Lord, how can I dwell in a house of cedar, and <laughs> you're dwelling in a tent? And the Lord said, you know, thank you enough, David. Um, you know, I, actually, I'm going to build a house for you. And it was the establishment of the Davidic dynasty. Why? Because it was through the Davidic dynasty that Messiah would come. Uh, the throne of David established forever in eternity. And that's all chapters 17 through 21 and some of the battles that David fought that uh, gave way to the establishment of the throne. Then we come to chapters 22 through 29. It's all about the temple. And with this, a very detailed reminder, again, of the centrality of worship, the priority of God. Are you hearing a theme here at all? Is God number one in your life? Is there a cent the centrality of worship and the priority of God? Is that, is that evidenced in your life and in your family life? Or is it just kind of, well, when we can get around to it and there aren't other things to do? No, they're, they're coming back from captivity. And, and the importance of connecting to their spiritual roots and understanding the priority of God is necessary to the success of the nation. And that trickles down to individuals and families. That's what's, what's happening here. And never is that more uh, powerfully communicated than in chapters 22 through 29. It takes nearly one-third of the book to describe how David organized the Levites and the priests and the musicians and the gatekeepers and the treasurers, the officials, the military divisions, the leaders of the tribes to oversee the ministry of the temple that his son Solomon would build. Not a single detail was left unattended to there. And David also raised the money for the project. That's new material in 1 Chronicles. Read chapters 28 and 29. And we find that David, who was a warrior and a king and a shepherd and a songwriter and a musician, oh, add to the list of things that is impressive about David, the dude knew how to raise money for the Lord's projects. He led the fundraising efforts first by giving from his own treasury of gold and silver and precious stones. And then he invited everybody else to follow his lead, starting with the leaders. And he didn't ask the people or other leaders to sacrifice anything that he had not also given freely as an offering to the Lord. By the way, this is the pattern we follow when we do things like forward 
I don't know if you knew that or not. We're a church that is reaching forward to what lies ahead. We've, we've reached a generational milestone in our church as we've been living through COVID. We've actually started or entered into the 40th year of ministry at this church. Yeah. And we rolled out, you know, before COVID, began talking about forward. Spoke to, just as the pattern is here, spoke to the leaders of the church first, before it ever came into this room. We were in conversation for months, and in some cases, years, with the core leaders of the church. Because if the leaders ain't going to get on board, nobody else is going to follow. But leaders, leaders lead by giving first. And that principle goes all the way back to 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. David gave first. I've never said to you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And I say to the elders, look inside my financial life. You'll see God is first. Any increase that Catherine and I get, any salary, we give to God first. We pay ourselves second. That's called savings and investment. We live off the rest. We've been doing that for, oh, going on 27 years of ministry. And I found that God blesses that. He puts his hand of divine favor on your finances when you put him first. And what happened uh, during the time of the Chronicles was da David led out, he brought the leaders along, then the leaders brought everybody else along to build the temple. It was not a cheap project. Hey, this, this, was, this was God's house. And Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 9 says, then the people rejoiced because they had given, listen to this, willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord, David the king also rejoiced. This is kind of the Old Testament version of God loves a cheerful giver. You ever heard that in the scriptures in the New Testament? Now, I always say he accepteth from a grouch as well, but that's, that's not divinely inspired. But they gave willingly. There was no coercion. There was no twisting of the arm. There was no force. But the people had so supported David as their king, and they had so, you know, they had been through and their ancestors had been through the captivity. It was time to come back to establish the centrality of worship and the priority of God in their lives. That meant the building of the temple. And they were going to put the Ark of the Covenant in a temple, not, not the, the tent anymore. And they gave willingly, they gave joyfully. They were, they were so excited about it. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, First Chronicles, return to your spiritual roots, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, be sure to check out the new Something Good digital library. That's where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. And you can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. 
Something good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. For your gift to Something Good Radio today, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series that you're hearing now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the Old Testament historical books, Joshua through Esther, and it's our gift to you for your generous gift to Something Good today. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. Now let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, First Chronicles, Return to Your Spiritual Roots. And then you read in chapters 28 and 29 that David assembled the people and he stood before them to speak on that day. He charged the people. And then his son Solomon, who who would actually build the temple, he charged them to follow the Lord with their whole heart. And then he prayed. Uh, 1 Chronicles 29 and verses 10 through 22 is, is, is worth reading David's prayer. He blessed the Lord for his greatness, for his power, for his glory, for his victory, for his majesty. And then I can't miss the fact that David's prayer, read it for yourself, but it also dripped with what I call the language of sacred trust. On behalf of the people, David, David acknowledged how all the wealth that they had given for the temple project came from the Lord's hand. I think that is so beautiful. Chapter 29 and verse 14, David prays, but who am I, Lord? What is my people that we should be able to offer this willingly? For all things come from you and from your own we have given you. You know what happens when God's people return to him? and to their spiritual roots, and establish the centrality of worship and the priority of God in their lives, you know what happens? Their finances are prioritized. Friends, when we stand up here in our worship service and talk about uh, worship by giving back to God, that's not some fundraising ploy. Uh, that, That is a worship experience. You've heard me say a thousand times, you can't say God is first in my life if he's last in your budget. Doesn't work that way. You can't keep pushing that part of your life aside and say, God, you have all of me, except except my finances over here. And you give to God as a last measure, not a first measure. Put him first in your life. Is there any tangible evidence in your life that God is as important to you as you say he is? And I say, one of the most tangible is your finances. That's why I say to the elders, you want to peek inside my finances? I, I give it to you anytime. You, you want a copy of my giving record? I give it to you anytime. Okay? Because I feel like I need to lead by example. And, and Catherine and I are not stupid people. We've just learned over decades, God blesses those who put him first. And, and it's, it's just such an exciting journey. And, and the people of Israel learned that way back then. They became stewards, not owners. They became givers, not takers. And that's a hard journey for some to travel as followers of Jesus. The owner mentality says, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Get your paws off my stuff. No. That, that, that's not the, the biblical way. As, as, as 
followers of Jesus, we see ourselves as stewards. Lord, all that we've been able to give is from your hand to begin with. You're the source of my blessing. I suspect Jabez was even part of this as God uh, blessed him and gave him divine favor. Jabez was one of those who was nodding in the back of the room with David. Yep, that's right, David. The blessing that I've received, the favor that I've received in my family, it came from God in the first place because I was at a point in my life where I was desperate. I couldn't go forward without his blessing, and I prayed boldly. And Well, here I am. When he blesses you, make sure you acknowledge and thank him and acknowledge the source, just as David does, and adopt that stewardship mentality. Be a giver and not a taker. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You mean I'll have more of God's divine favor, according to Jesus, if I give? If I'm a giver and not a taker? Absolutely. It's more blessed. The flow of God's favor will come into your life. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want to be on the receiving end of God's favor. And no, I'm not trying to treat him like some cosmic uh, ATM in the sky, but I've just found that area of my life works a whole lot better when God is number one in my life, tangibly speaking. Returning to your spiritual roots, you know, if you travel back in your own ancestral history, um, you're not going to find Kunta Kinte, as Alex Haley did. That was his family history, and what a compelling story that was. You may or may not find some people who were followers of Jesus to inspire you and to carry on that, uh, uh, that, that, that root of faith in, in your family life. You may, you may or may not find that. But here's, here's what you will find if you look hard enough. You will find God. You will find the God of generations who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God of the past, so far in the past that you'll slip into eternity. He's the God of the future, so far into the future. uh, He's got it handled. He's got it all figured out, and and you'll slip past time and into eternity. He's the God of the present as well. And sometimes it's the invisible hand of God, that providential hand that is wooing us in all generations to himself, saying to the prodigal, come home, saying to the person who's experiencing pain, in his or her life, like Jabez's mother and Jabez himself, come to me. I'll comfort you. I'll console you. Um, Wooing any one of us to the cross of Christ as sinners who need a Savior and who are humble enough uh, to admit our need and to say, Lord, I, (laughs) I, I need the kind of blessing that brings absolution and forgiveness along with eternal life. And he's wooing us today through the chronicles, yes, through the genealogies. He's saying, listen, I, I got your past covered. I know it wasn't always an easy thing in your family history. I got your present covered too, all right? I haven't forgotten you. And I'm coming back again. I, I've got a glorious and divine future for my people planned. And that's what the chronicles was a reminder of the Davidic dynasty, the throne of David upon which Messiah would sit. And he came in Bethlehem as the suffering servant. He's coming again to gather his bride, the church, and we wait for him in faith 
and we wait with great anticipation. What a time to establish, maybe reestablish, the centrality of worship and the priority of God in your life and my life. Uh, that may mean saying, you know, Sunday is a sacred time. As for me and my house, we're going to be in church regardless of the culture pulling us this direction or that direction. It is a time to prioritize your finances in a, in a godly direction. It's a time to say, listen, I'm, I'm not just a Sunday Christian with one foot in and one foot out playing the spiritual hokey pokey. No, my whole heart is in this. Now is the time to maybe retrace your spiritual roots or to be the person in your generation that when descendants of yours retrace their roots, they find you as a person of faith. And they're inspired by how you made faith in the Lord Jesus Christ a priority in your life. And most of us just want to read past the Chronicles because of the genealogies, and it's a bunch of repeated stuff from earlier historical books. No, much more than that, friends. Take this, and the Holy Spirit, who's, who's calling you to a spiritual decision today, take that to heart and follow him with your whole heart. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, First Chronicles, Return to Your Spiritual Roots. Ron, as you've said several times here over the last couple of days, the book of First Chronicles is really a call to the nation of Israel to return to their spiritual roots, the worship and honor and the love of God who called them out of Egypt centuries earlier. So let's talk for a minute about a couple of practical lessons we as individual believers in Christ can take away from this account. Brian, and I talked a little bit about the importance of history in the life of a nation. Uh, for example, when you alter it or eliminate it, you lose the ability to learn from it, especially as time goes on and future generations have a false version of their national history ingrained in them. You'll never get to the truth if you start out with a lie. And that's what future generations are faced with when their predecessors revise national history. Well, it works the same way in the life of an individual. For example, when we refuse to be honest with ourselves about our past, about our own mistakes, the sins we've committed, we are setting ourselves up for spiritual failure. It is absolutely necessary for individual believers in Christ to look themselves squarely in the mirror, much like King David did in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 and for us to own up to the exact truth about our mistakes or our sin patterns. Now, of course, God knows the truth. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But if we deny the truth about our sin, we cannot truly repent and be made whole because we're not even confessing the whole truth about what we've done. On the other hand, if we alter the truth about sins committed against us, we cannot truly forgive those acts. I guess what I'm saying, Brian, is that denial will never lead to deliverance. It is absolutely critical that we uncover the truth about our past, whether our own sin or someone else's sin against us, so that we can learn from it. And once we've done that, we can then forget what lies behind and press on towards our high calling in Christ. But before we can do that, we must first deal with it honestly and fully, and then forgive those who have sinned against us and confess to God the sins we ourselves have committed against Him. Then the joy of our salvation will return, and we will experience a renewed spirit. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on the importance of dealing with our own personal history openly and honestly so that we can live the abundant, joyful, and victorious life Jesus wants us to have. Before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Well, Brian, of course, uh, the next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of Second Chronicles. It picks up right where First Chronicles left off historically. That is with the death of King David and the rise of his son Solomon, who assumed the throne. Now, remember, First and Second Chronicles, uh, they go back in time when Israel was still a united nation, one nation and one king. But the Chronicles explores uh, this period also in Israel's history from a different perspective. So as we move ahead to 2 Chronicles, the first nine chapters are set in the time of Solomon's reign. And then from there it travels into the period in which uh, Israel became a divided nation. It's some exciting stuff, Brian, historically, and, and there are plenty of practical lessons to be learned both as a nation and as individual believers in Christ. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Second Chronicles, If My People. Join us then for Something Good, now for Ron and the entire team at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.